Welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Donnelly. Uh, we've got a week two watch list to deliver here, but before we can do that, I should probably say, Ryan, what's up? How's it going, man? Oh, uh, we are big chilling, Patrick. It is a nice, beautiful Wednesday morning in New York City, 87 and sunny. Um, I just heard some like 65-year-old guys uh listening to like disco from the 70s outside of my nice. local bodega nice. um we're gonna chop cheese hockey style Ooh. we're saying you're we're saying go yankees the whole deal yeah life's good uh, see man i am i'm i'm living on easy street right now it's 55 this morning it's a beautiful 55 mm. this morning in pocatello um that is i could just keep that just freeze that leave it right there for the rest of the year, I'd be happy. 55 is the ideal temperature. You're not going to get any better than yeah. 55. Uh, you got a sweatshirt on, you got some sweatpants, yeah, light light dressing, but you, you got a little bit more on and then a t-shirt. There's nothing better than that. That is, that yeah. is ideal. Um, and, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be sweating tonight. I am, I'm going to an indoor venue to see Peggy Gal play. Yeah. Uh, which I'm excited about. It should be, should be awesome. But, like 85 and hot for an all glass venue, like 25th floor of a Chelsea building. Damn. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hot night. See, you're going to be doing that. I'm actually tonight, I'm going to a Peggy Hill concert. So that's going to be fun for me too. I'm sort of learning Spanish. Um, and, uh, yeah, and you're doing, good. you're doing your own thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just recently watched the episode where she takes the kids on a field trip to Mexico. Uh, um, you familiar? No, I'm actually still working my way through the through the show. I'm I'm about halfway through season three right now. Colin just got uh, okay. he just lost his job. Now he's got to commute to Houston every day. Um, pretty mm, good, pretty good. Okay, bit. you'll get there. Yeah, I'll get there. Um, good good program. I'll say it, folks. If you haven't seen King of the Hill, it gets the flipping the field <laughs> endorsement. It's a good program. Um, it's a hot new show. It's a hot new show. <laughs> We're all loving it. We're all really into their whole their whole deal. Um, Speaking of this this cooler weather, I think that's probably a pretty good transition into advertising home field apparel here real quick because I uh, I do have a lot of home field apparel stuff and I do use it for these colder weather days. Uh, those sweatshirts get the job done. They deliver what they need to deliver. They do what they need to do. They get the job done when it's 55. They can do it even lower than that, 45, 35. You get under that, it starts to be a little bit touch and go. You might need another thing to go on top of the sweatshirt, but that's understandable. That's most hoodies. That's why you buy the bomber jacket, dude. Yeah, that's why you buy the bomber jacket. And uh, yeah, they really can. They can really get you uh, get you fitted out for the whole winter. I personally probably can't just wear exclusively home field when I'm on the field in November for a football game, but I would love to. I, I would love to do that. I uh, I don't know how that would go over with the other the other photographers if I'm down there wearing like a Kansas shirt while I'm taking photos. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe they wouldn't care. Maybe they would like it. Uh, but you, the listener, have no such restrictions. You can wear as much home field as you want. You can do it to your job, even if it's formal wear. You can do it to uh, you know date night. You can go to an interview like that. You can go to a funeral wearing home field apparel, and they suggest that you do. Um, Ryan, what is the code that people can use to get 15% off their first purchase at home field apparel? That is meet at midfield, all one word, baby. Um, M-E-E-T-A-T-M-I-D-F-I-E-L-D. Mm. In case you can't spell any of those words or, <laughs> or perhaps listen to this podcast because you can't read. Yeah. Um, if you can read, though, you should also subscribe to meetatmidfield.com, our oh, college yeah. football website, 
Um, Pat, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too hard after week one. I do, but a I... lot of these predictions are feeling really, really good. Yeah, it was an it was really an incredibly good week for our narratives. Generally speaking, there were a couple of losses that we can we can sort of you know, push off the shoulder a little bit. We don't need to worry about UTSA and what it did. Um, but there were a lot, there was a lot of good stuff in there. There was a lot of stuff that we were feeling pretty good about, including finally vindication on Clemson, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's ball knowers paradise over there. It's, it's ball knowers paradise on the articles. I just put up scheme standouts. Uh, I've got the watch list, the written version of the watch list coming on Thursday. Uh, you of course have the weekly uh, hangover article coming after the after the games, just sort of talking through everything that happened. Um, what is the other thing that you're doing this year? I honest to God have not looked. Me? Yes. Yeah. What is your what second? You, you... you have a second <laughs> column a week. What is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm gonna kind of mix it up by the week. I don't really. Have, okay. I, I'm not, I'm kind of just going and winging it. I think <laughs> this week, um, based off of some of the week one wins, where a lot of teams really established or flipped a narrative. Yeah. You know, looking at Duke, um, looking at a handful of other teams that we talked about. Um, I, I think that it's, you know, Florida State's a big one, obviously. I am going to kind of take a look this week at which teams have a chance to either cement the narrative about them positively or negatively, or which teams have a chance to kind of flip that on its head and maybe upend a little more college football. So I'm excited to see that uh, and kind of get into it a little bit. I think we're right about a few teams we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So maybe I'll do a little brief preview of that, but then going to have more on context than it on Friday um, and kind of just take a, a longer look at a handful of games and both for a narrative perspective, on field perspective, and kind of mix the two up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And this is uh, technically, this is not a plug for our website because this was written somewhere else, but I do want to give a shout out to our boy, Kyron Samuels, who wrote a, uh, an article kind of along those lines with outcast quarterbacks who have transferred elsewhere and been successful. Just want to recommend it. Yeah. It's a good article. Um, you can he, go find it. He was him. great on our, on our live stream. Yeah. Before. Yeah. That was a blast. Uh, you can go find him on Twitter at uh, Kyron Samuels, K-Y-R-O-N Samuels, spelled how you would expect. Just wanted to shout him out and shout out that article because I enjoyed it. Um, kind of in, yeah. a, in a similar vein with teams flipping the narrative quarterbacks flipping the narrative um that was definitely i think one of the things of of week one is things not really being how they had been um in a in a way that was uh, more often than not positive i think a lot of teams kind of changed the way that they operate successfully and, and found wins from it um that and then also as i touched on in the scheme standout story uh, hitting or it's a lot it was a lot of hitting there was a lot of physicality this weekend in college football um in a good way i i think we we like that the game we love is back uh if that's the game you love as well meet at midfield.com is the website for you you can get the message board you get the posts you get the premium podcasts lots of good stuff over there um ryan you want to talk clemson duke real quick yeah um, I know you said at the top, it's kind of funny because it, 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 we finally got come up and something Clemson, but also in the funniest way possible, Yeah. where if you play that game 10 times the way Clemson played it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand like they had a lot of like fuck ups in the red zone. Um, and, and like the fuck ups are a problem of youth or a problem of misorganization, which we've talked about uh, of their dysfunction on offense for quite a few years now. But I mean, they lost by three touchdowns and probably outplayed Duke on the numbers. Yeah, so the interesting thing and 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 uh, <laughs> about that is like yeah, we were talking on the on the live stream which we're we're going to be doing more of by the way, probably not this week because uh, Ryan and I both have yeah. life things going on this week that we just... Will at be... least every two or three weeks of the year. Yeah, for week. sure. And and uh, we're eyeing a very loaded week four already. But um, 
on the live stream we were talking about like this is not the way you upset Clemson. This is not the recipe, you know, in the first half where you have a fumble on a punt return. This is not what you do to upset Clemson generally. Um, but then you go and look, and I, I think that uh, Bill Connolly tweeted out something to this effect. I've been trying to find the specific number. Um, I think I remember it. <laughs> I don't I don't have his... Okay, yeah. Clemson's post-game win expectancy for this game, which is just his, for, for SP+, Plus, it's just his, you know, putting a percentage to how likely it is with those exact stats that a team wins a game. Um, 16%. So it felt like Clemson was better, and on yards they were better, and in general they were better, but the mistakes that Clemson made, which are not, you know, necessarily repeatable, but the way that they played, the way that they missed opportunities, usually that team loses the game. Usually that team isn't Clemson, though, right? That's that's right. the thing is that, yeah, in a normal game, Duke maybe doesn't play all that well, but its opponent makes a, bu- a bunch of mistakes and doesn't take advantage of opportunities, and yeah, you, you win the game anyway. Clemson doesn't usually do that. That was sort of, that was new. Clemson, even these last couple of years where we haven't been super high on it, hasn't really fucked up like this before. This was really nasty stuff from Clemson. This was really not good throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, they ran 20 more plays. They're almost 20 more plays than Duke did. Uh, they had the ball for seven minutes longer. They outgained it by 50 yards. They had uh, one penalty against seven for Duke. Um, they uh, had more drives in scoring position. Like, you know, Clemson miss or Clemson converts out of those field goals. Clemson, you know, doesn't fumble in the red zone twice. You have a much different perspective on that. So not to say that, you know, um, but to say that Duke didn't have their own fuck ups. Obviously, that muff punt was a big deal. There were a few times where they didn't finish drives, so they had gotten turnovers off of. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Duke made plays when it needed plays, and Clemson couldn't come up with them. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and Clemson's players, like you could see it towards the end of that game, Duke was much more physical than Clemson was. Yes. Uh, Clemson was scared to get hit by the end of that game. You had guys ran out of bounds, like in the fourth quarter when you're making a comeback attempt. Yeah. Uh, you could see the green on everyone's shirt. Um, Duke really just took control of that game, and Clemson was a little bit scared to compete, man. Yeah, yeah, the the Havoc plays don't really back it up. Duke did get two sacks, and they had five tackles for loss, but Cade Klubnick's ass was on the ground all night. Uh, you can see it at the end of the game, right? He's got blue on his jersey. He's got green on his jersey. He was getting hit throughout the evening, and some of that was on designed runs, but a lot of it was just that he's getting the ball out, and as soon as he does, he's getting hit. Um, and, uh, yeah, he wasn't the only one. Clemson doesn't really have any receivers on the roster, and so there weren't a ton of guys getting, uh, reps out there. I think Bo Collins or maybe Will Shipley led the way, and neither of them I thought were especially good. Will Shipley especially, man, in that fourth quarter, oh, I don't, I did not like that one bit, how much he just kind of gave up, it looked like, at the, at the, you know, the late parts of that game, and I get it, you know, they probably weren't going to come back, but, boy... You don't love to see that from your from your star player, from your maybe best offensive player, is just running out of bounds on third and long in the fourth quarter. Uh, what are you doing, man? What do you? Why are you running out of bounds? This is not this is not really the kind of game where you should be doing that. And it, it really did sort of. It just looked like Clemson wasn't expecting this. It looked like Clemson got punched in the mouth and hadn't ever been punched in the mouth before, uh, which is strange because they've lost games. It's not like Clemson's been just on a huge winning streak, but this team specifically didn't have any answers. Didn't really... Defensively, I thought they they handled themselves fairly well. Duke wasn't super productive here, but 
offensively, no standout receivers. Rushing attack was just fine. And then you get down into the red zone, you get to the one-yard line, and twice they fumble. One was a missed handoff, but one was just a, a really, really good play from a Duke lineman. Um, Duke was just better on the line of scrimmage. They set the tone. They were hitting, and Clemson didn't really respond the right way. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought I actually was fairly impressed by Phil Maffa yeah. uh, for Clemson. I thought he did pretty well, but you know he ended up with about half the yardage that, that Shipley had. Um, I think he was better on the interior rushes. I, I am like, I am a little taken aback by it just because Shipley had not been that guy previously. Like if you watch his tape the last couple of years, yeah. he has been a physical runner. He has not been scared of contact. Um, but I think maybe like these guys just didn't have a lot of faith in what they were doing. I, I don't know. Like it, it, there was just nothing cooking at all for that Clemson offense. They were kind of not hitting the downfield shots. You usually see from a yeah. rally team, which is a concern we pointed out. Um, that's a team that expects them to go downfield. And Antonio Williams was, like, fine. I mean, he, he's their top receiver. He had seven catches, 56 yards. He didn't really do much of anything. The tight end wasn't involved. Brady still had basically nothing on the night. Yeah. Uh, one catch for 10 yards. Um, you know, Bo Collins, number two guy at receiver, didn't do much. Like, there just wasn't uh, – they, they were not getting guys in space. Um, they started to a little bit in that second quarter, and then Duke kind of shut it down. Um, like you said, they just live in the Clemson backfield – they were hitting guys right at the point of contact. They were pushing guys back. Uh, they were popping pads. Like yeah. Duke just looked like they wanted that game more. Um, and, and like the, I think the scary part is for opponents of this is Duke did also did not play its best game, right? No. Like that, they had, I think, four or five starters back on the O-line. I have it written down somewhere. I should have pulled that up. Yeah. But, um, you know, despite that, we knew we the club's defensive line would be good. It is young. But they were really getting after Riley Leonard. I mean, he completed just over half of his passes and had, I think, 5.3 yards per attempt. Yeah. Um, it was not a good night for Leonard, despite the rushing impact. Um, this Duke team can play a lot better than that. And, and I think that should be pretty scary for the ACC because I had had them as kind of a eight or nine win team. But, I mean, they have they have Lafayette, Northwestern, and UConn the next three weeks where they play Notre Dame. Notre yeah. Dame comes to Durham. Um, they get NC State at home. They have to travel to Florida State, North Carolina. Uh, Pitt comes to Durham. Like that, this is a team that should, you know, I think of those those four games that I mentioned: Notre Dame, Florida State, Carolina, Pitt. You know, I have them probably winning one of those coming in, maybe two of them. Yeah. If they win two of those games, this is, I mean, this should, this could be a ten win football team. Yeah, and and suddenly <clears throat> maybe considering a run for you know, a conference title berth, right? They Is there still divisions here? Or did they get rid of those? I honest to God do not remember. They got rid of divisions. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's, could, a, that's a big win to have. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's a could, really nice one. Could be heading towards that sort of thing. I think if you're, if you go into, you know, if you, if you close the regular season in the ACC with two losses this season and you're, you know, I think you're feeling pretty good. I think in one of those, you have a win over Clemson. There's a good shot that they're playing Florida state at the end of the year, which would be, yeah, I mean a huge accomplishment for, for for this program and for um you know for for Mike Elko and and what he's done there that yeah. he would start the career start the tenure with nine wins and then try to go to an ACC title game mm-hmm. in year two that's that's unbelievable. You're further along than Miami is, right? You're much further along than Miami right. is, and that is not usually a comparable program. Yeah, I I think really it is just you can see it here with Duke, right? You can see Riley Leonard playing better moving forward against not this secondary. I think Clemson secondary played really well here. 
Um, and even then he, I think I thought he handled himself pretty, pretty nicely, ran the ball obviously really well. Right. Um, but you have, I, it was I think, just a lot of pressure that really, really messed him up. I think that yeah. pressure was tough to face. Yeah. You have, um, I, I think a pretty good tailback in Jordan waters. I thought he, I thought he handled himself pretty well. And then this defensive line, man, we were talking about the, um, the Columbus guy whose name I don't remember is it uh, DeAndre Carter Dwayne Dwayne Carter I think is his Dwayne Carter Dwayne Carter Dwayne Carter who I thought played out of his mind Anthony Nelson who made that play on the goal line to force the fumble um you have uh Freeman running around the the linebacker Trey Freeman uh who I thought was fantastic is it Trey I can't get the yeah Trey Freeman the fucking score app keeps (laughs) pushing my damn you're just gonna uh, say last names yeah Yeah. Freeman (laughs) he keeps pushing the damn screen down I'm trying to click on his name um but uh yeah yeah I just I thought that defense looked really good and if they can do that if they can generate this kind of pressure if they can play like that on the trenches um this team is really dangerous this duke team and I don't know that the depth is yeah. such that they can they can do this for a whole season but <laughs> they won 9 games last year and they look better than they did than they did a year ago I think objectively um that's that's big time right that's that's big improvement for sure. and then on the Clemson side man, I, mean, the, I just the, the, don't I just don't see it here with these guys I still see Clemson winning nine or ten games pretty comfortably. Where's the um, where's the offense the way they coming play and from? Who they play. They had one explosive play in this game. One. This yeah, all, I recognize that, is... but it's also first game for a new OC. It's playing yeah. a, a very, very physical defense. It's first game for a new quarterback. There's a lot of things that you can see Clemson improving on still. Yeah. Like I think that rushing attack has some juice. Yeah, um, the rushing attack. Forward. The rushing maybe attack that's, probably maybe that's... does. I just man. Yeah. I don't. And see also, it like, look, if you receivers. assume a loss to Florida State, like, yeah. do you really think Miami has the goods to beat Clemson in a big game? I don't. No. Like, even if they lose to Notre Dame and Florida State, which again, Notre Dame, I'm not. Notre Dame plays into Clemson strengths very well. I think. Uh, I think that Clemson D line can still eat against Notre Dame's very good O line. Yeah. But you know, they got to go to Miami and they get North Carolina at home. Um, if you win those two games, you're still in business program. Like, you still go ten and two. You have a chance to play Florida State again. Duke can kind of mess you up here, but even Duke has to navigate some games still, right? You're going to Florida State. You're going to Carolina to beat Pitt. Like, that is not an easy schedule. Um, Basically, if Duke and Clemson can both beat North Carolina, which I think is likelier than not on both games, um, I think these we've seen that the top three teams in the league are probably Florida State, Duke, Clemson, and then Pitt's also there as well. Yeah. Um, And maybe Carolina still has an outside shot, but – I mean, there's not a lot of depth in this league either, right? NC State looks very mediocre. Yeah. Uh, Louisville and Tech look pretty bad. I'm talking about how much Wake loses. I'm still not expecting much from Wake this year. Um, Virginia, Virginia Tech are dog shit. Like, there's there's still a lot of juice, I think, for Clemson to win nine or ten games and finish rank, which is not their standard, right? That's still a bad season, but yeah. it's not a disastrous year coming either. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I think you can... Uh, you know, temper expectations for Clemson's demise coming out of this, as as I think you are. Um, I think you can also see, like, there's nothing here at receiver. This passing attack does not look... It's not just that Duke was shutting them down. It's that those guys were not getting any separation, and when they did, they weren't catching the ball. Like, fourth quarter critical drives, yeah. you have the star receiver. You have Anthony Williams dropping passes, or Antonio Williams dropping passes. You have... 
Bo Collins not getting open, dropping passes. You have just, you know, fucking Will Shipley dropping passes. The interception that ended the game was off of Will Shipley's hands. I just don't trust these guys. I don't trust this skill core. I don't think they can move the ball all that well if they're not running. And I don't know why you would... I I think you could just sell out to stop that. I think Notre Dame can do that. I think fucking Syracuse could do that. On the road at Syracuse at the end of this month, man. This team doesn't look good. They just lost by three scores in a game where Duke didn't play that well. I understand the thought process. I think I'm just not buying it. Yeah. I, I am not. I, I don't know. Like, like Clemson has not looked at an offense for a while. Yeah. Like, I don't think this offense is worse than last year's. And they uh, still won ten games last year, right? I think it's. I, mean, I think it's worse than last year's. I think it is pretty comfortably worse than last year's. Man, I don't. I don't know that Cade Klubnik has earned any sort of respect at all. I don't think he's played well. I get it. I I, I see your. I'm not like look. Trust me, I want to, you know, celebrate the demise of Clemson more than almost anyone in college football. I love seeing them lose. Yeah. I, I'm just not willing to say that it's season over, no chance. Like, to me, other than the Florida State game, I think it is very possible they win out the rest of their schedule. Like, I think this could still be a 10-2 team. Again, like, yeah, Notre Dame is trying to play Clemson football, and I'm just not convinced they do it better than them. Like, Notre, yeah, I think the thing about Clemson is true, except Notre Dame has fewer playmakers at running back, fewer playmakers at receiver, well, even a worse quarterback than Klubnik, in my opinion. Uh, well, um, well, I think... I, I'll, 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 I mean, the difference is Riley Leonard, who didn't play that well in this game, but I don't know... I mean, is it doesn't seem like Notre Dame is doing things that differently from what Duke is doing, offensively and defensively. Why would that game... Yeah, but Notre Dame is just more talented than Duke. They're coach. Yeah, they're worse coach, but they have four stars and five stars, which Duke does. And then, right, but Duke also has way more returning production, way more experienced guys. Yeah. Um, well, Notre Dame I mean, has Notre Dame has two months to get ready for that game. I it's I don't I know get that it, yeah. I, I would not I don't know that I would like expect a Clemson win in that game. It's also two months away, and so we don't really know. Yeah, let's evaluate Notre Dame after Ohio State. Right. Yeah. Let's see what they look like. Then. Yeah. All right. Well. Clemson is dead. Davo has been killed. Um, Duke is a national title contender. RIP that pussy. Yeah, yeah, they're in the uh, they're in the driver's seat. They're they're in the college football playoff driver's seat. I can't believe that people are doing that shit after week one. I know that that's what they do. I know that that's that just... Rittenberg article is disgusting. Oh. I post that on the board making fun of him. Yeah, it's just insane. You can't like just it's week one. We don't need to talk about the fucking playoff right now. It's week one. It's yeah, just have fun, dude. There are there are eleven more regular season games to be played, and then also conference championships. We're, there's so much more to be done before we can talk about any of that shit. It, what is the point? It is just yeah, just wasting time. Just just absolutely wasting time. Just enjoy it. It's fine. Just enjoy it. You don't have to translate it to something else. Um, all right, you want to do the watch list here? Yeah, um, we can get to the weeknight games quick because there is one good game, Patrick. Yeah, there is a single weeknight game on the on the FBI watch list for this week. It's the Guantanamo Bay game on Friday, September 8th. Illinois at Kansas, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. This is fun. I like this as a Friday game. I, I don't think that this is as good maybe as it could have been last year. I think Illinois has pretty clearly taken a step back. Kansas, we really don't know yet because we haven't seen them with Jalen Daniels. He is listed as day-to-day. It seems like he might play this week. It's more likely this week than it was last week against Missouri State, I think. It was either Missouri... Yeah, it was Missouri State, I think. Um, 
and uh, they didn't really need him then. Jason Bean played pretty well. I think Jason Bean could probably beat Illinois as well if he has to, but it would be cool to see Jalen Daniels. I think in general, this is just an entertaining an entertaining watch. I would guess that Kansas wins. How about, how but, about Jason flicking that bean? Huh? Yeah, how about it? How about it? Folks, give it up for Jason flicking that bean. We love him. He's doing it. He's getting busy on that thing. He is, uh, he's moving it around. We, we can't get enough of it. Um, I think Kansas probably wins here, but I think it's going to be entertaining. I like the styles. I think it's going to be a fun clash of, of approaches. And I just always like the opportunity to watch Lance Leipold coach a football team. It's a good time. Good to watch his offense. It's good for the, uh, good for the spirit. This is a fun Friday night game. Just toss it on and kind of relax. Just let it go even in the background, play on your phone, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, I, I still think, like, I guess I'm curious here for you. The thing that Illinois does well is that they will have an interior pass rush. They may be able to knock up the middle pretty well with Newton and Randolph there. Yeah. Do you think Kansas can run this offense if it can't get an interior push from the O-line or the ball at the middle? Like, how do you think? I guess they didn't do that much last year, but yeah. what are your expectations for Kansas if Randolph and Newton do make some havoc happen? Um, I, I think that it is a, it's a fair concern because that is something, I mean, Illinois can, can really kind of keep itself in any game, right. In theory with those two guys, if they're healthy and operating at full capacity, because, uh, an interior pass rush or an interior, you know, penetration in general is fucking, it's really hard to work around for any offense. There's not an offense that is built to just not worry about that sort of thing. Um, I do let, I think Kansas's continuity on the offensive line gives me some confidence that they can hold up pretty, pretty nicely, relatively speaking. Um, and, and then also, like you were saying, you know, they didn't do a ton of that last year. They ran the ball inside a little bit, but I think that Leipold and that staff are pretty good at understanding what they have and that what they have is linemen who are better used on the move than straight up. And so I, I would think that they probably will have a plan to not necessarily eliminate that from the game, but to mitigate it pretty well and basically just avoid the center of the field, Yeah, um, which they're good at. They're good at doing that. And we're, worth noting, by the way, here that, you know, Illinois did struggle with Toledo last week. Yeah. And, you know, that offense wasn't very impressive, and Toledo was missing – or Toledo, Toledo rather lost four of its six starters in the defensive front. Um, and I, I don't think the Toledo – the Toledo offense is good – but like, it's not, they still put up twenty eight in Illinois. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have my worries about about Illinois' defense against Kansas's offense. I don't know that. I don't know that Illinois has the firepower for this kind of for this kind of game, especially on the road. Um, I think Kansas might be. I think Kansas is probably about 10, 10 to fourteen points better in this game, and I would guess that that it plays out as such. Yeah, the line is only minus three, which is a little bit concerning, but. Um, yeah. Again, we don't do gambling content, but just to kind of project the um, what people are project thinking. the the, the yeah. spread here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see it. You know, the, uh, Illinois did get a tough tough test in week one. I guess like they had to play in a tough football game and probably learned a little bit about Luke Altmaier and what he has, which is good for them. But there's just so many faces to replace for Illinois that I, I'm just concerned about. I guess what they're you know week two are they ready for a team like Kansas that brings back almost everybody. Um, I don't know. We're going to find out. I'm, I'm definitely excited to watch this game. I did not get a chance to watch Kansas week one, uh, mostly because there's too much good football on to watch them play in Missouri State. Yeah. Uh, but I, I am looking forward to kind of seeing this game play out a little bit on Friday night and, and keeping an eye on uh, on both these teams. So yeah. looking forward to this one. Um, it's the only game to watch. So if it's for some reason Kansas pulls away, 
or you know it looks ugly um i will be getting ready for saturday <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty much um, this is yeah this is it this is the whole show on the weeknight I, I would assume that this is the worst weeknight slate we're gonna get this year um but still you get one you get one good win. game and, and we'll take yeah. that saturday september 9th at noon uh the guantanamo bay game i don't know if you have any disagreements with this i went with troy at kansas state on fs1 just because i think that this is as a football game the most entertaining and compelling of the five that i have on this list at noon I I like this matchup. I think Kansas State's going to win, but I like this matchup. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah. It's uh this is a great this is a really I think a great first test for both of these teams, right? We saw them both play FCS schools last week. Troy's final score was a lot closer than the game actually was. I think that uh SFA had a had a kickoff return for a touchdown and might have also housed a punt return. I don't I don't remember the exact box score. Um but you get to see Troy's defense specifically Troy's defense against Kansas State's offense, which is operating with a new quarterback, operating obviously without Deuce Vaughn. This is fun. This is a really fun game. I think that this is not, you know, exactly evenly matched because Kansas State was in the Big 12 championship last year and Troy wasn't, but I I like this. I think that this is a really good G5-P5 matchup stylistically and and matchup-wise, I think it should be pretty competitive. I'm going to be pretty focused on this one at noon, I think. Yeah, I think this is going to be a lot of ground game. Like if you, you yeah. like watching just the big heavies play, this is the game to watch for you this weekend. Did you see? Um, did you see Troy's you know, rushing? Troy stats? brings back almost. Almost. Oh god. No, I was just saying. Did you see Troy's rushing? Stats? I did not get a chance oh, to know what they do. Uh, I'm going to pull them up. They were. It was. Uh, it was extensive. <laughs> they, they got busy. Um, yeah, uh, Kimani Vidal ran 25 what? times for 248 yards. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, that's that's, um, that's not too shabby. You'll take that. And, and Kansas State does now they do lose a good little bit there on on their defense. Like, you know, obviously Felix is the big one, their defensive end. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's there's still quite a fair bit. I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn on what to expect from from Kansas State. Um, I, I don't know. Like, uh, it, it's going to be a good group. Obviously, um, you know, they have. They have Khalid Duke back. They have Nate Matlack and Brandon Mott back, who are big contributors. Uh, Usa Somaloao is a is a mean motherfucker in the middle. Uh, Javon Banks is supposed to contribute a lot here. I, I think that the thing is that I don't know how much Troy can test their secondary, which yeah. is the weak part of the Kansas State defense. I just don't know if they have anything at receiver to do that. Yeah. Uh, and if you let Kansas State tee off on your running attack, they're going to be pretty good because they can also lean on you a good bit with the offense but that offensive line is one of the best in the country uh obviously uh cooper bb is the big name there uh, but i am really looking forward to seeing seeing this game in general also troy without defensive coordinator shield wood um you know one of our favorites uh <laughs> but i am i am looking forward to seeing to seeing kind of what this looks like i think kansas state it's probably a like a first half that state's pretty competitive and kansas state kind of slowly you know, gets an extra possession here and there just to pull away a little bit, just converts a little more, yeah. um, wins the field position battle, and probably wins by two scores or something like that, maybe three. Um, that's maybe a little bit generous. But I think it's going to be a good football game that folks are going to maybe dog Kansas State for if they don't know what Troy has. But yeah. Troy is one of the best G5 teams in the country. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking forward to this one. I was going to say the same thing, is that this is a this is a game that if you are an informed Kansas State fan or just in a college football person who knows college football – um, this is one that 
you know, Kansas State wins by a score or two scores and they're going to get dogged nationally for it. If you know what you're talking about, you understand that if Kansas State wins this game somewhat comfortably, they should be feeling very good. Troy is dangerous. Troy is a very, very yes. dangerous football team. Yeah. If Kansas State looks like good here, if Kansas State puts up 30-plus, if Kansas State wins by multiple scores, you have to feel, you have to be feeling really, really, really good about what they could do this season. And if if not... I think it's a good reflection on Troy. I think that there's, it's really, there's not an outcome here where I come away thinking like, oh, one of these teams, other than a blowout in either direction, like a total blowout, which is not impossible, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I don't think I leave this game thinking, oh, this was right. a, this was a big disappointment, right? I, I think that this is one where you really, whichever team is the one that is successful, I'm just going to come away feeling better about, honestly, than, than you know, feeling worse about whoever doesn't win. I, I think that this is just uh, it's one of those matchups where these are good teams. These are two solid football teams. This is a solid football game. Definitely. And Kansas State, like, again, if they, like you said, we're projecting a little bit out here. If they win by multiple scores, you have to feel like the favorite in the Big 12 at that point, right? Yeah. I know Texas is all the hype. Oklahoma put up a million points week one. But, like, the, the, they don't play Oklahoma during the season. Uh, they do get Texas on the road, Kansas on the road. But the rest of the games, like, you catch Missouri, UCF, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU, Houston, Baylor, Iowa State. There are Other so those two road games: Texas and Kansas. Like, there, there should not be a loss on that, on that slate. There are so many teams in this conference. <laughs> just so many teams. Going yeah. down the list. There are so many teams, and there's only going to be more. We're going to have to include Arizona State in the fucking Big Twelve preview. Uh, <laughs> oh God, there are so yeah. many fucking. Well, at teams least you don't have to talk conference. about the Pac-12. No. <laughs> 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 the very good it seems Pac-12 this season. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 um, I'm interested to see what this looks like. I'm interested to see what Kansas State looks like on yeah. offense. I just, I just don't know if Troy can score, dude. I, yeah. I know they ran the ball really well last week. I just don't know if they can score. Yeah, it's going to be a big one for for Gunnar Watson. He needs to be good here. He needs to be good, and he needs his receivers to be good, and that has not been consistently the case. Um, would love it if it is here. Would love to see Troy stay in this game for a long time. I think they can keep it pretty low scoring. Um, this is a fun matchup. This is one that that I think probably internally Kansas State is a lot more worried about than people will realize nationally. Troy's fucking good. We're <laughs> Troy is a yeah. good football team. I'm uh, I'm excited for this one. Most wanted, not by me. Notre Dame at NC State uh, on ABC. This is also at noon. I don't know, man. It's, you put it here. It wasn't me. I know. There's nothing else that would go here. I'm just saying most wanted generally by most people, I would guess, is probably this game. I don't really see it here. I think that this is probably a slugfest that Notre Dame wins by two scores. NC State was not exactly impressive thus far. Um, but I, I think that, I don't know, maybe you can talk yourself into something here it's, no. the, it's the first real game of the season for Notre Dame, at least against a team with a pulse. So that's... That's something. You can see what they look like there. There's a lot of scouting opportunities for Notre Dame at the beginning of this season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to see Notre Dame's passing offense. Like, I, I don't expect much out of the NC State defense this year. Obviously, they have, um, you know, a, a very good defensive coordinator and have been really good on defense for a long time. I, I just don't know how much I expect out of Notre Dame's passing attack. If they do struggle, I think that's going to be a concern going forward for them because NC state really only has a secondary um, and some linebackers. So I, I don't know, like, I don't think NC state has any kind of firepower to stay in this game. Yeah. Uh, I don't think much of Brian Armstrong, as you know, um, I, I am just curious to watch a play out. Cause like you said, it's Notre Dame's first real game. 
uh, after two warm-up games that everyone was kind of drooling over despite them being you know ridiculously not competitive with two yeah. really four horrible football teams yeah um so it's good to watch their game play a team with the pulse i will probably keep the score eye on the score on this one um i don't think it'll be my second scream game i think that's probably nebraska colorado which we're talking about shortly yeah because uh, that one at least has a little more fun to it hopefully um whereas if this one's tight in the second half i will i will check in on it yeah i i think that is the thing is is really honestly this is a test on both sides of what notre dame can do with the ball in the air with throwing the ball um that for their offense against a pretty good nc state secondary and then for their defense against the first actual passing attack that they have seen the entire season nc state's receivers are not good and I think Brendan Armstrong is going to struggle with that fact throughout the season. Um, but NC State can throw the ball down the field, which has not been the case for either of Notre Dame's first two opponents. And so we can we can see what the secondary looks like a little bit, having lost its uh, its leading cornerback to a walk-on role at Ohio State. A classic thing to do in the offseason. We love to do that. Always good to do that. Um yeah, no, worth worth keeping an eye on. No fly list. You mentioned Le- leading receiver. You mean yeah, lead, leading oh, receiver. Oh, leading receiver. That's right, leading receiver. Yeah. So I guess the secondary is okay. They didn't need him. Um, <laughs> they didn't didn't need to switch sides there. Uh, no fly list. Nebraska. It is even more embarrassing though to to lose your to lose your leading receiver to change positions to be a walk on somewhere else. That's horrible. Yeah, you can't you can't have that, especially when it's to play the position that he didn't want to play out of high school and why he went to Notre Dame in the first place. That is. Uh, that is not good. That is not good at all. Uh, no fly list. You mentioned it. Nebraska at Colorado on Fox. Um, this is just the spectacle, right? I don't think Nebraska is especially good. Um, and I, I have a, I have an inkling that Colorado is probably going to win this game pretty comfortably. But this is a sold, you know, a sold out crowd here at Colorado for the first time in a really, really long time, and it should be an event as it always is with Dion and, and with this team. Um, that's going to be cool. Yeah. It'll be cool to see that. Yeah, the question is just like, does Nebraska have any guys at all on offense to keep this competitive? I don't think like, so. Like, can they score? Yeah, I don't and think so. And I don't so. think so either. Like, <laughs> they, they, they do have better trench play. I think their O line should be substantially better than Colorado's. But Colorado did pretty well against TCU. I mean, there's obviously yeah. a lot of new faces on TCU. And we kind of talked about them as a borderline bowl team that was wildly overranked. But I think TCU is better than Nebraska. Um, I think TCU probably is a tougher matchup for Colorado than Nebraska was. Yeah. And also, like if you're Matt Rule, uh, and you're you're if you're a Nebraska fan evaluating Matt Rule, and you look at Dion also in his first year, who basically took the opposite approach, right? Matt Rule stripped this thing down to the studs. He is like running off former players for a culture fix. Dion did the same thing, went to a much more extreme level, yeah. and did it a lot faster, and brought in a lot of guys that, you know, he brought in a million transfers to want to take risks there. Whereas Matt Rule is doing his slow cultural build. Yeah. Um, if this game is a blowout, I think Nebraska fans be very frustrated. Um, if they keep it close and lose, it kind of is what it is. But Colorado being able to get guys in Nebraska couldn't. It, it has to be wildly frustrating for a Nebraska fan if this game does end up being out of hand. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, you know, especially given where the programs were, right? Like like locationally, obviously, they're, they're not that dissimilar. Colorado is in a, in a, it's a better recruiting area, but not by a ton. Um, but where these programs like actually were in terms of what they have been producing. And then now if you, if you go into year one where Colorado was horrible last year, horrible, horrible has been for a long time. Nebraska was also horrible, but not as horrible, right? Like they were kind of close to a bowl game a couple of times under Scott Frost. Um, and you go into this game with, with Colorado completely rebuilt while you spent the off season doing walk on fullback camps and, and things like that, playing to the crowd. 
Um, <laughs> I you probably it's probably the the charm probably wears off pretty quickly at that point where it's like, well, why aren't we ahead of these guys? Yeah, it's, it's year one and we were better last year. What happened? Right, and and I do think like you have to have some faith in Nebraska a little yeah. bit here because, or rather, not in Nebraska but in Matt Rule. Yeah, just because you know he does his build slower, right? He is not a fix it year one guy. His year two has been excellent everywhere he's gone. Yeah, and I think there is some patience around that. But losing this game, like if it's a lopsided, they lose by three scores, something like that, could lead to a lot of frustration, I think, and justifiably so. Yeah. Because the answer is, do you actually have to do that? Like in this era of college football, the way you built Baylor, the way you built Temple is not the same way you have to build Nebraska in the current era. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to do this so slowly. You can do it faster. Uh, and maybe it's just kind of look at philosophy. It's kind of interesting and philosophical approach to team building and program building from two guys that have had a lot of success so far. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious to watch it. You know, I, I think Nebraska had a nightmare performance from Jeff Sims, uh, especially the way they collapsed late in that game. Like if they, yeah. if they don't blow that lead to Minnesota late in the game, they probably feel a lot better if they lose this game. Uh-huh. But um, they did. man, the way they finished against <laughs> Minnesota, right. Yeah. It, they did. They did. Yeah. And they, they feel shitty about it. Cause Jeff Sims was horrible. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm very curious to watch this one. Uh, it's more a chance to see Travis Hunter play football. Um, Dylan Edwards looked awesome. I'm sure Sanders looked awesome. A lot of guys here who are pretty impressive for Colorado. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned really, really quickly here that the fact that Colorado has a better recruiting territory than Nebraska. That is true, but also none of these guys on Dion's roster are no. from Colorado, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In, in, in theory, like, in theory, yes, but in the portal era, um, I don't think it matters all that much. I think you can sell. I think you can sell a lot of locales in the in the portal era, um, if you're if you're good enough at it. Yeah, I um, I I I'll say to qualify it a little bit that like we think Nebraska fans with a loss here would be frustrated, and that's true. It will be. I, I want to just say short term frustration. I think in the long term there is plenty of reason to believe in what Matt Rule does and and what he will do. Like you said, um, it's just that. And, and Colorado in the long term, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how long Dion is going to be here. I don't know how long this sort of approach can possibly sustain itself, if it can for a long term or if it can't. Um, but in the short term, immediately on Saturday after a loss, I think there would be a lot of frustration, and understandably so, even if it doesn't have to go anywhere. It doesn't need to be productive frustration, just sort of generally pissed off about the state of things. I could totally see that for, for Nebraska, and honestly, I think Colorado is probably going to role here um he uh I'll, I'll just also mention real quick because you brought him up donovan or it, who what's his name dylan dylan edwards is that right not donovan edwards there's too many fucking dylan d, edwards, yep. too many dylan d edwards. edwards running backs in college football um dylan edwards he is fucking nasty already he looked ridiculous in that first game just as a as a receiver not even as a running back but the way that they involved him in the passing game dude he looks really, really, really good. He is so fucking fast running down that sideline. I really like watching him play. Yeah, no, I mean he he is awesome, and they have other guys too, right? They still have Alt McCaskill yeah. and Kavasi and Smoke there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Travis, <laughs> like they Hunter. have just so many more guys, and Travis Hunter. Yeah, there's just so many more guys, and, and you know, um, Jimmy Horn and Xavier Weaver. Like, there's just a lot more guys that you think can make plays for Colorado than you you can see for Nebraska. Yeah. Because I don't know if I see any on Nebraska's roster who can make a play. Do they still have um, that tight end? Are they still throwing to that big motherfucker or is he gone? 
No, Vocalex's gone. Oh, man. There's nothing there. There's no skill guys there. They, just, they forgot to get any skill yeah, guys. Yeah, it's Anthony Grant. That's oh, about it. God. They got to they gotta go get uh, Tyjon Lindsay. Bring him home. Bring Tyjon Lindsay home. He probably still has three or four years. <laughs> he is in the CFL, yeah. <laughs> this, is the, this is the year that he's going to break through. Finally, at long last, it's Tyjon Lindsay season. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, that, he is now working for Northrop Grumman. Yeah, um. <laughs> good, good, good for him. Congratulations. He's done what we all hope one day to do. Um, next up, Utah, Baylor, ESPN. A lot of heat has come off this one in just the last week. I think Utah. <laughs> no thoughts. I, I, no yeah, I, th- I think thoughts. Utah probably rolls here, but this is a Power 5 game between two teams that came into the season with a decent amount of hype. One of them still has it. The other one lost to Texas State by two scores at home. Um, Purdue at Virginia Tech, ESPN 2. Uh, again, I don't know that I have a ton on this one. Just it's on. It's a Power Five game. It's a game at Virginia Tech, which is always fun. Purdue just lost to Fresno State. Could be a big program win for Virginia Tech. Here's a chance to to get something going if you're if you're Brent Pry. Yeah, um, it, it could be certainly, and I think Purdue also needs this. Yeah, uh, after losing to Fresno State, Fresno State's a better team than Virginia Tech um, by a comfortable margin. However. That's a tough game to lose week one as a, a new head coach. Yeah, uh, I think bouncing back with a road power five win, even if it's over a worse football team, will at least put the fan base at ease and make you feel a bit better about where you're at if you're Purdue. I don't think Hudson Card's bad. I think they have some talent here. Um, Purdue should win this game, and they they kind of have to. Yeah, for sure. If you lose this one as Purdue, you're you're feeling pretty bad after two games. I think you're feeling about as bad as you possibly can after two games. Um, so I would, I would advise winning this one for sure. Afternoon, Guantanamo Bay, Ole Miss at Tulane, 3.30 PM on ESPN2. I am, I am looking at this game strongly. I am strongly considering Michael Pratt and this Tulane passing attack against that Ole Miss secondary, because he just picked apart a much, much, much better South Alabama defense than anything that Ole Miss is going to put on the field. Um, I'm watching. I'm watching with interest. I think Ole Miss's offense has to be pretty much perfect here. And it could be. Yeah. It totally could be. But I'm watching. It doesn't have to be perfect. I don't know. I mean, like, I think Tulane's offense was essentially perfect against South Alabama, which is obviously very impressive. Yeah. Given how good that defense can be. But, like, I don't know if you're getting Michael Pratt 14 of 15 most weeks. I think he was incredibly dialed in. Yeah. Um, it's not like Ole Miss is a ton of in the secondary, and South Alabama's defense is probably better than Ole Miss's. Yes. Uh, I, I think but, comfortably better than Ole Miss's. Yeah, but Ole Miss also has guys who can make plays on offense, which I don't know if South Alabama has any. Yeah. Um, I like Ladarius Webb, but like it's not like he's a guy who's going to break a game open for you. He's kind of a plugger who gets an extra two or three yards when he falls forward. Sure. But he's not like a guy who's going to create explosives. Yeah. And Ole Miss, he isn't for Quinn, all of their, all he, of the. He isn't Quinshawn yeah. Judkins. He's not Quinshawn Judkins. He's, no. <laughs> he's, not, uh, he's not quite that, that same. He's not Zachary Franklin. He's not quite that level of, of player. South, South Alabama's yeah. offense certainly and, is lacking compared to Ole Miss. Most are. And there, there really isn't a guy for Tulane who I would say like, oh, he can, he can keep, you know, he can basically keep us or was it hold, hold serve uh, with the Ole Miss skill players. These Ole Miss guys start making plays. I mean, South Alabama has to, sorry, South Alabama, Tulane has to keep this game kind of in a phone booth yeah. and, and keep things tight um, and not, not let Ole Miss kind of start running away from them here. If they take this game to the fourth quarter and it's very competitive, I think they have a chance to win this because they're a little more battle tested, a little better coached. Um, all those things that matter. But if this game gets like, you know, Ole Miss creates explosives early, I think this could get away from Tulane. Yeah, I think that honestly, the key for Tulane here is one, uh, you know, goes without saying basically Michael Pratt being excellent. 
again, if if he's excellent, then you'll have a you'll have a chance. Um, I think if Tulane wants to pull off the upset, if they want to win this game, the big thing that I'm looking for, the number one thing is you need a turnover. I think if you get a turnover, if you steal a possession, you have a pretty good shot here if you're Tulane. But I don't know straight up if you're winning this game. You got to get one or two back. You got to you got to take a possession or two because I don't know that the defense is going to get off the field a ton. Um, and uh, if if Tulane can do that. I would be feeling pretty good in this one. I think that there's a very, very good chance that they can pull this off, but they need a couple things to go their way for it to happen. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think it's a completely fair statement. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one a lot. It's pretty much, I think it's pretty clearly the best game of the afternoon slate. Yes. Um, there's a couple others we're talking about here that I'm excited to see. Um, but, well, one of them I'm excited to see, one of them I feel obligated to watch. Yeah. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. Which yeah, one is so, so that's, 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 <laughs> which one is which? And in the most wanted section here, Iowa at Iowa State, three thirty PM on Fox and Texas A and M at Miami, three thirty on ABC. Which one are you obligated to watch and which one are you excited to watch? I'm excited to watch Texas A and M Miami because oh. there's a lot of hater potential there for me. There sure um, is. There sure is. No you're matter gonna... who wins, I come out on top because I have narratives to spin. You're gonna be the um, o- you're gonna be one of the only people watching this game because Miami is having a rough time selling this one out. It seems like. <laughs> oh man, Miami is not, <laughs> they, they not moving a... tickets here. They're copying something that, uh, that Memphis did, which is like a bogo deal on tickets. Yeah. Um. They. I'm looking at the the Miami kind of ticket availability right now. Uh, there are only, you know, maybe 12 or 15 of like the hundred sections of the stadium that are sold out. Uh, there are tickets available everywhere yeah. on BOGO deals, below face value. Just no one's going to this game. Uh, I made this joke on Twitter, but I think it's because Texas A&M fans uh, saw Scarface, uh, you know, 40 years ago and learned that there are Cubans in South Florida and they were scared to go. Yeah. Um, that's why they think it's still a Cuban missile crisis. They're worried about that yeah. uh, as a potential terrorist attack. So, no, I don't know. Like, look, this is a chance to watch the Petrino slash Fisher offense against a team that, for all of its warts, should have a defense. Like, I think Miami does have a defensive line here. I think they have some pieces the rest of the defense that I'm excited about. Uh, obviously, you know, Cam Kirschner is probably the best safety in America uh, in their secondary. He is very, very good. Like there, there's a defense here for Miami that if AM is going to revert back to its old self, you could be concerned here uh, if you're Texas a and Yeah. On the other hand, does Miami have any kind of offense? <clears throat> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, yeah, all, all of the Texas A&M fans who are going to this game, they're doing so under the direction of George W. Bush. They're trying to keep, they're trying to make sure that American city, citizen Alien Gonzalez stays in Miami. We can't lose him. We can't afford to lose him to Cuba. <laughs> they're all, uh, they're all going down there to make a citizen style arrest on, uh, anybody who's trying to send him home. Um, yeah, I don't care about this game. I don't like either. I I don't like either of these teams. I'm gonna be totally honest. There's not a whole lot here for me. I think this is two bad football teams. I really, I don't know. Maybe there could be something here. I think that the like you said, the matchup between two bad teams. Like you really mean bad? Yes, I really mean bad. I <laughs> until I see that they aren't bad, I have to think that these guys are bad because that's all I've ever seen from these programs under under these these you know current. Under the current state of affairs, um, I don't know. Texas A&M's offense with with Petrino against Miami's defense is kind of interesting. I think that that's the good first test for Texas A&M's offense and to see what that looks like. But I don't think Miami can score. I don't think Miami can really move the ball. 
I would assume that Texas A&M wins, but I think it's going to be a really ugly, really not fun to watch football game. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's also the exact same as every other game yeah. in this window other than Tulane Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, pretty much. I mean, the, the Miami offense the offense benefits by losing Josh Gaddis. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that is nice. Who is the, um, who's they the did coordinator lose... there now? I, I don't remember. Uh, they do. They hired. Um... Is it the Houston guy? Oh, fuck. What's his name? Um, it's Shannon Dawson. Is that yeah. it? Um, oh, who is it? Is I... it Shannon Dawson? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Shannon Dawson. Shannon Dawson is here. Oh, what a um, they brought on, they brought on Kevin Beard again. Yeah. Uh, they, they, uh, there's not much, right? Kevin Smith is gone. Yeah. Um, they, they had, uh, Frank Ponce left, uh, Stephen Fields, uh, left i believe not a whole lot, a lot of guys are gone here yeah, a lot of names. yeah a lot of just guys um, it's kind there of just shannon dawson just a lot of yeah. guys in this in this staff um yeah i i don't know maybe tyler van dyke is okay i i this this it feels like we're cruising for like a 14 to 13 um i i i don't know maybe maybe something can emerge yeah. here if one of these teams looks dominant then you could you can use that to project out but they're both so unclear right now, and they both look so nasty. They both just don't look especially compelling as as football products. No, and it is worth noting, by the way, that like the Texas A and M defensive line is by far the best group on this team. Right? It's yeah. like on either team, it's not even close. Um, but I don't know. I, they started a true freshman at right tackle. Yeah, um, they sure did. Which is tough. Yeah, you don't really want to see that if you are. Uh, if you're a fan of Miami uh, against like, look again, A&M is limited as a football team, but they do have the guys to be pretty impressive on the defensive front. It can really fuck you up a little bit. Yeah. So you have a true freshman back there. You have a lot of guys who have maybe played a little bit of football, but not a ton. Um, there are some concerns for Miami. If the O-line doesn't gel, um, you have to ask Tyler Van to hit his throws, which he basically never does. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they have anything at receiver, uh, <laughs> like I don't think there's much there. They have an eighth-year Oregon transfer at tight end, yeah. uh, Cam McCormick, who has missed six of his first seven years to injury. Awesome. Um, so th- that'll be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jesus. I don't know. I, <laughs> not selling me on the Miami offense they, here. <laughs> no, no, I'm really not. I mean, like Tyler Harrell is their big receiver. Oh um, God, I can't believe we're doing it again with him. Just he's I, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance that basically AM just blows them out. Yeah. And if that happens, AM fans are gonna get way over their skis because of who they played. Oh yeah. And Miami fans will be ready to fire Chris Ball again. Yeah. 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 We love it. We love it. Next up here in the most wanted section, Iowa at Iowa State, three thirty PM on Fox. Um uh, it's it's a rivalry game. It's on. It's between two teams. Iowa State, I think, fashions itself as a as a bowl team. I don't believe that for a fucking second. No. Um, but it's a power five matchup for Iowa, which might be the number two team in the West. Probably the number two team in the West, pretty comfortably for the for the Big Ten, and and would love to contend for that top spot with with uh, Wisconsin. You get to see Cade McNamara and this. Uh, uh, I was going to say new look. It's not really that new. It looks pretty much the same uh, offense against a, an Iowa State defense that could be competent. I will say watching, I watched all of Iowa's game last week because they played Utah State. That offense fucking sucks. They're still really, really bad. They're not going to hit the, the 325. They're not going to hit the magic number um, because they don't have any guys on the entire roster. There's They have Luke Lachey 
and that's it. He's the only player on the on the offense. They have a bunch of defenders. I like Eric Hall. He's just not very good. Is the uh, problem? He's. I, don't he's know. I like Caleb Johnson too. They're com- uh, they're competent. I don't think Eric Hall's bad at all. I think he was very good in twenty twenty one. But I think they're competent if you have other pieces. Those those can't be your number two and three guys on an offense. Maybe Caleb Johnson at some point if you put him behind a better offensive line. But I just didn't see anything from those from these guys. Utah State has a brand new defensive coordinator and like eleven new starters, and they held him to twenty four and ten in the last fifty three minutes of the game. It wasn't good. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing is like Iowa, I don't know if they have to throw on this team, right? Like the strength of Iowa State's football program is it's secondary right now. Yeah. TJ Tampa's back corner. He's very good. But they lose like everyone in the front seven. Like McDon- Will McDonald was a big name, obviously. But they lost their top two linebackers, top three pass rushers, a few guys defensive tackle. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they have a couple guys that can maybe play against the run, but I don't know how much and they're gonna get pretty gassed because Iowa's playing around the football 45 times this game. Yeah. Um yeah. and also I don't know if Iowa State can score, right? Like they no, were they can't uh, score. They finished <laughs> No, they they definitely uh, uh, they yeah. definitely can't score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I mean unfortunately RIP to football outsiders, but before it died, yeah, I did pull up the O line stats for Iowa State last year, and they were one hundred and twelfth or worse nationally in all major rushing statistics that drew both running backs and O line, yeah, which is average line yards, opportunity rate, power success rate stuff rate and yards per carry they were 112th or worse in all of those yeah um they do bring back uh five players with starting experience who are all in their fourth fifth or sixth years of college football but i just don't think that they can move the ball in iowa at all and i mean hunter decker sucks we know that right yes but he's good for at least interception or two in this game yeah um yeah for and sure. i think at the end of the day Iowa's just going to take better care of the football they have a they have a better opportunity to do what they want to do on offense than Iowa State does, which is hilarious to say. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't think Iowa State's defensive strengths really limit Iowa's game plan very much. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't think Iowa State. It, it might be like a seventeen nothing win. <laughs> that would be awesome. You gotta love that. Um, I won't make you talk about the details of the Iowa Utah State football game, but I will mention just as something to keep in mind moving forward here because. I was troubled by it watching it live. Um, Utah State was without its start, its star number one defensive tackle, and also without one of its two starting linebackers. Iowa ran like 31 times for 88 yards. They didn't have anything going on the ground against a brand new Utah State front, literally one starter back in the front seven. Um, and like 20 of those yards came on one play in the first quarter. It was really nasty. It was really, really not good, even for what is supposed to be that strength of that offense. I just don't trust this offensive line all that much. I think that maybe they can have some games where Caleb Johnson gets it going, but I think that is this is a very heavily dependent on Caleb Johnson making plays, rushing attack. I don't like this line a whole lot for Iowa. Yeah, it's it's hard to blame you. I mean... It was bad, man. I don't know. It was it's really, gonna suck. It was it's really like suck, surprisingly yeah. bad how their how their rushing attack looked. It was I, I, maybe Utah State is just better than I think it's going to be on defense. But for week one with a new DC, it was, it was jarring. It was jarring. Uh, anyway, no fly list. Texas State at UTSA, three thirty p.m. on ESPN Plus. It's on here because Texas State just beat Baylor and UTSA just lost to Houston. I don't think Texas State's going to win this game, but. It's just, it's a game that's on. It's interesting. I think it's an interesting enough G5 matchup. You get to see UTSA back on the field. I would assume that they're going to be better this week than they were last week. And you can see what Texas State does moving forward. If Texas State is competitive here or wins this game, we'll have to start talking about them, like seriously talking about them for the, you know, 
competing in the Sun Belt maybe for a bowl game, which would be incredible in year one for for GJ Kenny. Um, but just something to keep an eye on. Game to game to watch if you don't have anything else going on. Yeah, yep. It is certainly a game to watch. <laughs> um, uh, do you have any more on this one? Or are we on to the evening slate? Uh, we have one more on the no-fly list. It's App State at North Carolina 515 on ACC oh, Network. Yeah. It's, again, eh, I don't know. It, it's going to be in that... It's going to have play happening in that dead zone between afternoon and evening so you can do that but uh, i don't i don't imagine that app state's going to be super competitive for very long in that game no me neither um however we do have an absolutely loaded evening slate Patrick. oh yeah so let's, let's get into this one yeah. yeah the abu grabe game of the week is in the evening slate it's texas at alabama of course 7 p.m eastern on espn ryan sell me on it what are we what are we working with here yeah, I, I mean, it's just like the like these teams both have a lot of hype coming into the season. Uh-huh. We saw them play a very good game last year, um, and it's a chance to see it again. You know, everyone was kind of creaming their pants over Jalen Miller looking good against Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, uh, but I, I follow a guy. I wish I could point out his name. I, I forget it, but he works for the Football Brainiacs covering Texas and pointed out like Milrose reads from the SkyCam or from the L22 angle, and basically. He, he had like three throws all game where he had to go to his second read. Um, <laughs> there was no pressure at all for Middle Tennessee State. Like he was just hitting easy, simple first read throws, a lot of screens, a couple of deep shots that he had, which is nice and all. But like, yeah, he had a big deep shot, which everyone was tweeting out that I sent to you. Uh, we'll try to post it in the account or something like that. But if you watch the pass rush for Middle Tennessee State, um, there's not much to watch. Like it is this, it is like a three. No, it's like a three-second stunt where they ask their left end to go all the way to the B gap <laughs> on the right side to try to get pressure. Um, it's uh, simply preposterous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, they didn't have to do anything on offense at all against Middle Tennessee State because it's one of the worst teams in, in FBS football. And, you know, I, I think that, Texas, for better or worse, they do have some weaknesses. I don't think Texas is is an awesome team. Uh, you know, uh, like we've said many times, they don't call them seven win Sark for for winning ten games. Yeah, I don't think it's a complete football team in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, however, there are some guys here who can make plays, right? You know, they have an All American linebacker and Jalen Ford. They have Tavondre Sweat to to tackle. I like Jade Barron a lot at safety. Um, there's a lot of reasons to be up. Uh, on Texas, you know, they, they have, like I said, they're, they're three starters in secondary are back. So they're going to ask, they're going to make Jalen Milrow do some things he was not capable of doing whatsoever in the first game or ever in his life, um, which is like reading safeties, looking safeties off, making progressions. Like he will have to do that against the secondary. Um, otherwise, Texas defensive front kind of just tee off at Alabama. Now it's worth learning here. The Alabama offensive line is one of the best in the country. I think there is a chance they can just run the ball at Texas all day and they can't stop it. But Texas does not lack guys in the front, right? Like they have Tavondre Sweat, I mentioned, is all Big 12 player. They have Trill Carter, who is all uh, all Big 12 or all Big 10 for Minnesota coming in. They have Byron Murphy and Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins. Like there's a lot, you know, um, it, it, Baron Sorrell is also an all Big 12 player defensive end. Like there's a lot of guys here who can play in this Texas front. Um, the linebackers are solid. Anthony Hill's a five-star freshman. They're going to see Ford is back. They like David Bagenda and Jet Bush. There's a lot of guys from Texas who can play in this front. And I don't know if it's going to be as easy for Bama to run as they expect it to be. Um, I understand they have a very good old line and that does make a lot of things very easy, mm-hmm. but do they have any guys at running back? Um, you know, 
Jace McClellan's back. They have that. Um, five-star freshman, um, oh, let's say the kid who is the uh, the Georgia legacy. Um, um, you know who I'm talking about. Justice, um, Justice Haynes. Yeah, Justice Haynes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he's in there. But, like, I don't know, man. Like, there's a lot of talent on the Texas defense. I don't know if they're actually well-coached, but there's a lot of talent there. Good guys who can make plays. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Texas has any offensive playmakers. You know, they have Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy. I do like their O-line, um, which is, you know, like very, very solid. Um, they didn't run the ball well last year. Uh, they have to get better running the football in short yardage to convert against against Alabama. Mm. Um, Alabama does have a lot of talent, obviously, all throughout the defense. But there's a lot of new faces for Bama, too. Like, I don't know if they have really – like, a lot of these guys have never been in a big game at all. Um, they haven't because they just don't have experience. They've been injured. A lot of new faces Bama's expected to make plays that I am not convinced of yet. Uh, I think Bama still wins this game, but I think it's not going to be like some coronation or like all Saban's all the way back, Steve's extender again. Yeah. I think this could be a tight game. I just don't trust Sark to win something like this, right? Yeah, um, yeah until he does it, basically. I, it's it's hard to it's hard to go off of what we have seen from him and think he could do that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I just don't know if Texas could run the football, right? If you can't run the football... Yeah. You're asking Quinn Ewers to throw the ball 45, 50 times, not making mistakes, which he's just not going to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm sure Sark's going to empty the clip. Um, <laughs> it's just into what? Uh, the question is, he's going to empty the clip. Is he going <laughs> to do it in the right direction, or is he going to just sort of point it down at his at his sneakers and, and go nuts on himself? Um, <laughs> Probably the latter. It's a big, Probably the latter. That's a big question. We love a we, we do love a, a college football offensive play caller who is just a total head case who can't stay out of his own way. Um, I, I love when they just the, the machine breaks and they go nuts and it's fourth and one and it's like, well, we're going to try a, a hook and ladder here. Why? <laughs> just run the ball. Just run the ball. What are you yeah. doing? What are you doing, man? Why did you need a, a double reverse with two different passes to two quarterbacks on the field? What's wrong with you? <laughs> just, just run the ball. <laughs> What's going on in your head right now? Um, yeah, I, I think that that's all fair. The The thing that I would come back to here as, as I have done less research on these teams than you have, and so I would, I would, uh, you know, I, I would cede to you on this, but like from the outside looking in for me, Texas is, I think, at least what it was last year, roughly, right? They they didn't lose a ton. They they probably should be about what they were last year at a minimum. Alabama's worse. I think Alabama got unquestionably worse than they were last year. And this was a one-score game that Alabama was completely yeah. saved in by a quarterback it doesn't have anymore. Bryce Young's not here. Jalen Milrow is not Bryce Young. And, and also by an injury to another quarterback. Yes, yeah, yeah by an injury to another quarterback. And I know that it's not at Texas this year; it's at Alabama, and that that can make a difference. But they weren't there; wasn't that much difference between these two last year. And I think Alabama's worse. I think Texas could win this game. I don't know that I would pick it to, but I don't. I'm not really that enamored with Alabama, and I, I think that the assumption that they're going to figure it out this year is is grounded in something. They've done it before. They've done it quite a few times, um, but. I don't know. I don't know that it's necessary. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily <laughs> fair that everyone is just saying like, "Oh, well, it'll it'll just be like the Jalen Hurts year, right?" Jalen Milrow is not necessarily Jalen Hurts yet. I I don't. It's not a huge bar, but I don't know that he's Jalen Hurts. 
I made a lot of smart reads. Yeah, yeah. And Jalen Milrow uh, hasn't done that. And I think his offensive coordinator and the offense that he's within is unquestionably worse than than the Hurts offense um, and has less skill talent and has just less going on for it. I don't know. I think this could be good. I think this could be competitive. I think if if uh, if Texas wins this game, the uh, the discourse is going to be just nightmarish. But I don't love Alabama. Yeah. I think that I think that Texas has a lot going for it here. I think that Quinn can 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 shine in this kind of game. He needs more than one receiver to show up. It can't just be Xavier Worthy, and that's a big question mark. And I think that Alabama defensively can find some answers for Texas. Like you said, they need to be able to run the ball. Um, but on the other side, man, I think Texas's defense can can kind of handle what Alabama does here. There's not like, there's not a ton of receivers. There's not a ton of guys you worry about on this Alabama offense. No, also, why the fuck is this game on ESPN while Wisconsin Washington State's on ABC? I don't know. What's up with that? Very strange. Very strange. I don't know how that would ever, I don't know how that would happen. Um it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially because Washington State and Wisconsin, both not from conferences that are usually affiliated with ESPN and ABC. So I don't really know what, what went on there. Um, maybe maybe LSU football. No, dot, I, dot I do think the funniest it, had it wrong. I'm going to I'm going to check a, a secondary location to make sure. But it's no, it's on ESPN site as well. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, very strange. I mean, the funniest possible scenario here is that Texas wins this game. Then still goes eight and four. Yes, um, absolutely. That's the best case. God, yeah, that's what we're all hoping for. That would, um, that would be so choice. And and also everyone will be anointing Texas as the like the playoff favorite uh, after this game. Of course. Yeah, I mean, seeing the SEC eat shit in non-con would be great. We already saw LSU lose. Uh, it would be nice to see more of that happen. Just seeing the Southern powers in general kind of get their ass whooped in non-con would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, Clemson. Clemson got whooped. It would be nice to see like a two touchdown loss for Alabama. I'd be very happy for that. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think Texas looked very good last week. No, it did um, not. No, it did they, not. <laughs> they also they ran completely vanilla plays as well. Yeah, like they just had none of their offense out. But that's also Alabama did the same thing, right? Alabama didn't run its offense either against against Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. But the, the bigger question is has. <laughs> You know, have, do they have an offense to run in Alabama? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't. Yeah, what do I don't you, think I know the answer to that. What yeah. does the non-vanilla version of an offense that doesn't have star receivers, doesn't have a quarterback who can make multiple reads, and only has basically an offensive line and a couple pretty good running backs? What does the non-vanilla version of that look like? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that they're going to be doing a whole lot that's like groundbreaking on this offense. I think they're probably going to try and keep things pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. Gotta see the Texas offense play better. I mean, twenty-two percent success rate against uh, against Rice is not acceptable. No, um, it's <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> you cannot have that. Uh, but the, te- the Texas defense did play well. I'll give them that. Um, gotta get better on passing down. So again, I don't know if Milro can threaten you. Um, and I think their secondary is the strength of this team. I- I'm very curious to watch. I think it should actually be a very competitive football game start to finish. That, that's at least exciting. Yeah, it's it's the game of the week for a reason. I think it is going to be good. It is a bummer for Texas that they didn't get to uh, they, they didn't get to test out their secondary against top thirty receiver nationally, Brad Rosner, um, you know, who has uh, he transferred. No away. comment. That's a yeah. that's a bummer for them. They could have would have been an iron sharpens iron situation there. Um, yeah, I think this is I think this is going to be Fuck fun. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, there's no Guantanamo Bay game in this section, but there are about a million 
Huyen in the most wanted and no-fly list categories. Uh, let's go to the most wanted here. We're going to start at 6.30 with uh, one, of, one of my favorite rivalries and one that has unfortunately, the, the trophy has been snatched from us, tragically. Cincinnati at Pitt, 6.30 p.m. on the CW. Amazing that, that it's on the CW. Perfect channel for this game. Um, but they got rid of the fucking trophy. They got rid of the cool little scale that they were given out. Um God damn, why? Why can't we have that? I like the trophy. I don't care that they don't play every year. I like the stupid little trophy. It's fun. It's one of the best ones in college football, actually. I yeah. love that trophy. Yeah. Um, God damn. Interesting game here because both of these teams have bad quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, both of their bad quarterbacks played well in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emory Jones accounted for... He went for, nuts. He, he went uh, fucking nuts on Eastern Kentucky. Yards and seven touchdowns, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Dracovic played well too. Dracovic had like 300 yards and two touchdowns. Um, it was a, pr- I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't really have any real thoughts here because I think both of, the, I mean, Pitt should win eight games, maybe nine games. Um, I think Cincinnati is like a barely a bowl team. Um, but the thing is, Pitt has the world's most boring and vanilla offense. Yeah. which predicates itself on running up the middle. It's, Cincinnati is weak on a lot of parts here, but they do have a very good defensive tackle pairing with uh, Corleone and Briggs. Mm-hmm. Um, not Briggs. Yeah, Briggs. The line yeah. in general here is pretty good for Cincinnati, the defensive line. Yeah, which is something, I guess, to watch, right? Like, yeah. can Pitt have success against a good defensive line? Um, I don't know. I like their O-line coach. I think Dave Borbley is very good. Uh, and they do have one of the better O-line in the country. I uh, think they have 84 returning starts to their line. Um, they have a pretty good running back pairing. Um, although I will note that here that like uh, Hammond is their lead back. Um, and uh, what is it? Was it Rodney Hammond? Yeah, Rodney Hammond. Yeah. And he did fumble a fucking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, <laughs> you know, I mean, just, just a lot. And uh, needs to be very careful about that. Um, but he had, what, three fumbles and 109 carries, which is just way too much. Yeah. Um, Cannot have that happening. Dracovic is also prone to taking some very stupid hits and got to keep him healthy because I think Christian Vogue and the other backups have nothing here. Um, but look, if Pitt can run the football to win the game, uh, Pitt is 26 and 1 since 2019 when they run for at least 140 yards a game. Mm-hmm. If you can basically find a way to run in the Cincinnati front, you're going to be fine because Scott Soderfield can't coach and will not have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can do that, you're okay. If you can't, uh, it's going to be in for a good ballgame. Yeah, I, I think that this is probably going to be pretty low scoring. I think it could be entertaining. Um, I could also see this being sort of a uh, a wake-up call for a Cincinnati fan base that has maybe not yet come to terms with the situation at hand, which is that they hired a bad coach to replace a good one. Um, that would be... I think they're riding high after beating the shit out of a bad FCS team, and this could be a pretty brutal reminder of what uh, what life looks like for them right now under Scott Satterfield. Or they could be fine, or we could be wrong. That's also a possibility. Um, Oregon at Texas Tech, 7 p.m. on Fox. <laughs> Another one that has had some heat come off of it after Texas Tech loses at Wyoming. But it will be, I think, interesting to see Oregon play on the road against a P5 team um, after what it did against Portland State, which was put a lot of points on the board. I'm just curious to see Oregon Oregon play here. I think that that's going to be entertaining to watch them against a, a, a presumably a competent, a relatively competent opponent. I would assume that they win, but this is uh, is kind of like Notre Dame NC State where it's a it's a scouting opportunity. You can see what you have with Oregon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's a scouting opportunity. Uh, their offense looked awesome in week one, but they played Portland State, so I'm not taking much away from that. Um, 
it's a little interesting the line here is only six and a half. Yeah. yeah, I know Texas Tech probably should have won in Laramie, uh, and it's also a tough place to play, but I wasn't very impressed by Texas Tech. You know, I did not see much from them that made me think they have a lot of dudes. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'd be pretty shocked if Oregon doesn't win this one going away. Yeah, two of, I mean, thir- what it was, thir- yeah, 13 of Texas Tech's uh, 33 points in, in Laramie came in overtime when they only had to go 25 yards. Um, I know their kicker missed a couple kicks, but like the offense didn't look good and it's not going to get easier. It's not like Oregon's defense is you know, Oregon's defense is not great by any means. I mean, it could be pretty good maybe, um, but it's better than Wyoming's. There's more talent here than, than Wyoming has And Texas Tech's offense looked really, really rough in that game. Um, I don't, the, the spread there, I know we don't do, we said, you know, we don't really do the gambling stuff, but as a, uh, as a measure of where people are at with this game, I don't really get that. I would expect Oregon wins this by a couple scores. Likewise. Likewise. Um, but I don't know. Joe McGuire is a good coach. They're a lot better at home. They are on the road. Um, I tend to agree with you, but I'm, it's a suspect line that makes me kind of pause for a second. Yeah, should be um, should be entertaining. Um, UCF at Boise State is next up, 7 p.m. on FS1. Boise State, I would highly recommend winning this game. I don't think they're going to, but I would I would suggest it. If you're Boise State, you should win this one. Um, you should win this one. You really, really cannot be 0-2 to start this season because it's not going to get a whole lot easier for the rest of the month. They get a break with North Dakota, but then it's, but I, uh, I th- they get Memphis and San Diego State to end the month. I, I, I think UCF is much better, though. I do, too, which is why it's so troubling for Boise State because I think UCF is going to win. I think that that offense is going to be... Uh, pretty much operating on air against a really, really rough right now Boise State secondary that could get better but isn't currently. Um, lost a bunch of guys. I think UCF's going to win, and I think Boise State's going to be in a pretty bad way here to start the season. Yeah, um, I, I think you're probably right. I think UCF probably rolls. I was pretty impressed with UCF week one. Um, they still have the same problems, which is that John Reese Plumlee is a moron. Yeah. Uh, still kind of one of their biggest challenges. <laughs> Empty head. Nothing going on up there. <laughs> and Kent State is terrible, but the rushing attack looked pretty good. They ran for almost 400 yards. <laughs> Probably underselling it by saying pretty good. Yeah. Um, they, they put up like 700 yards on Kent State. Yeah. Even against that defense, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, Dude, I, I, real quick on Kent, on, uh, on Kent State, I do have to mention, just because I saw this in uh, in Bill Connolly's SP+, and I, it, it was... It was galling to see. Um, Kent State is pretty comfortably the worst team in in his ratings. I think they're the worst team by like ten whole points. Um, their offense, thesis. Their offense in SP plus. Yeah, they have a minus thirty overall rating, which is really bad. Which is really, really, really bad. It means there's a thirty point difference between their offense and their defense. And the reason that that's the case is because Kent State's offense currently has a three point five offensive SP plus rating. 3.5 adjusted oh. points per game 3.5 dude <laughs> jesus christ that, that's awful that, that is, is absolutely awful i would have to assume i don't know this off the top of my head i would i'm sure bill would i would have to ask him that might be the worst offense that has ever existed in modern college football i i can't imagine that there have been much worse than that that is a fucking disaster 3.5 oh my god how do you even do that? It's obscene, man. It's it's embarrassing to see. I mean, just have a little pride. Yeah. Have a little pride in playing football. Yeah. So it, it, we, I don't know that we really have a great uh, gauge on UCF yet, but this will be a really fun test for them. I think they're probably going to win. I think that the offense, even with uh, 
you know, the, the monkey clapping the cymbals going on in, uh, in John Reese Plumley's head at all times. I think that they are good enough and, and fast enough that they can take advantage of a, a very, very green, very rough Boise State defense. And I don't think that Boise State's offense can really keep up, but this could be fun. I think that this is of this slate here of the most wanted slate beyond Texas, Alabama. This is the one with the highest potential of being really fun and competitive. I don't know that I would predict that, but I think it has a better chance than some of the other ones here. Yeah. Um, I tend to agree. Uh, our next game, Patrick, uh, we are up with Wisconsin at Washington State, yep. seven thirty on ABC. Um, hmm. Well, well, it's going to be compelling if Cameron Ward learned how to learn how to set his feet. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, if if uh, maybe if if Garfield's dad has successfully taught him how to play quarterback, um, we're all we're all considering <laughs> that. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Washington State looked pretty good against a bad Colorado State team. Wisconsin had its, you know, had some uh, some shakiness against Buffalo. Has to go on the road. Um, I would assume here, if Wisconsin is smart, and I think generally it is, roughly speaking, uh, that this is a this is a Chesmalusi Braylon Allen show, and that's pretty much the end of the game. I don't know that Washington State has what it needs in the trenches to really keep up with those two. I don't know if you watched any of that Wisconsin game this past weekend. Ches Malusi, it's time for us to accept that he is a real man because he runs like a four three. He looked fucking ridiculous in that offense. He's so fast. Yeah, yeah, he looked good, man. I was very impressed by him. Yeah. Um but do we just think there's any juice here for this game being an actual football game? Not like, really. do you think anything actually happens? Not really. I think Wisconsin probably just slow cooks them, right? I, I think it's like a like a twenty four to ten kind of thing. I just I don't know that Washington State really has the the juice to hang in this sort of football game. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, all right. Our no fly list. <laughs> Let's get to these quicker. Ohio at FAU. Yep. <laughs> Ohio at FAU. Six o'clock. ESPN Plus. Um, the Tom Herman first chance for a big win. Yeah. Um. Ohio, pretty good ball club. Yeah. Uh, I Casey Thompson looked pretty good his first week. Uh, I think FAU might have some guys. I'm I'm excited to see this one. Yeah, fun matchup of offenses. I think if you want to see some scoring, if you want to see what FAU looks like against a, a better opponent than the one it played last week, just toss this one on. It's it's at a it's at a different time than a lot of these other a lot of these other games. I think it could be kind of fun. I'm gonna keep an eye on this one. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's the next game we got, Pat? SMU at Oklahoma, 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. I I think we're kind of just another one that we're monitoring here, right? I don't know that I believe in SMU all that much, and Oklahoma looked really good against Arkansas State, but this is a better opponent than Arkansas State. Just something to keep an eye on. If Oklahoma is dominant here, then we probably will have to start talking about them at some point, but um, they uh, they haven't played the game yet, and so I think that there's a chance that this could be kind of fun smu looked okay smu looked okay in the game that it played this past weekend against louisiana tech i think a lot of teams are going to look okay against louisiana tech this year but i'm i'm interested i'm curious in this one yeah yep i am too like you said it's kind of just litmus test for oklahoma Mm -hmm. uh see how bad arkansas state is see see what they can do against the real football team even if smu is not very good they're at least competent they have some guys here yeah there's some Um, talent there's some former four stars they've got you know preston stone at quarterback there's some there's some stuff on this offense that should be able to test that oklahoma defense okay yep um okay besides (laughs) that um (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I don't know much yeah, to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll through these last four here. Stop me or or tell me afterward if there's anything in this that's interesting to you. Jacksonville State at Coastal Carolina, 7 p.m. on ESPN Plus. 
Arizona at Mississippi State, 730 on SEC Network, Eastern Michigan. I'm intrigued by that one. Yeah? yeah sorry. The okay. Mississippi State game, I am I am looking forward to. Okay, why? Um, I want to see if they're really dog shit or not. Okay. Um, which, which one? Mississippi State? Both, I guess, but oh. mostly Mississippi State. I think we know Arizona probably sucks. Like that's kind of just what they do, right? They're just a bad football program. Yeah. Um, however, they do have some guys that can probably exploit Mississippi State. Uh Mississippi State is favored here by nine points. Okay. Uh, which is a little bit wild to me. I don't know if I'm buying that because I think they're gonna play the same kind of game. And I think Arizona might have better personnel to do it. Okay. Uh, Mississippi State D-line, of course, is better, and they can probably get pressure. But it's an air raid offense they're playing against, so how much does pressure matter? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Curious to see it. Anyway, yeah. keep going. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that could be kind of kind of fun. Uh, Eastern Michigan at Minnesota, 7.30 p.m. on Big Ten Network, and then UCLA at San Diego State, 7.30 p.m. on CBS. Um, I think Jacksonville State Coastal could be kind of interesting because I'm just interested to see Jacksonville State's defense against a real offense. If Jacksonville State is competitive or wins that game, that's big time. That's a big, big, big start for them at the FBS yeah. level. That would be really cool. Um, meanwhile, on the other side... Absolutely. If, if, it also means means Tim Beck is dead on arrival. Yeah, yeah. If if on the other side, if Coastal Carolina is it loses this game or is close to losing this game at home... Abs unmitigated disaster. Completely the worst possible way to start this tenure. Um, what a nightmare that would be for, for for them. So I guess you hope for their sake that that doesn't happen, but I don't really wish anything good for Tim Beck, so not my problem. Um, Eastern Michigan, Minnesota. I don't know. Eastern Michigan, I like coming into the season. They didn't look especially good against Howard, but... Minnesota didn't look especially good against Nebraska, so maybe something could happen here. It should be really physical, at least. should be a lot of hitting. Um, UCLA against San Diego State. I don't think San Diego State has a whole lot going on here this season. I think UCLA probably wins pretty comfortably, but I don't know. It, it's on. It's something that you could watch. It's on main CBS for some reason. CBS is picking some weird fucking games to start this season. They had Wyoming-Texas Tech last week, which ended up working out really well, but... I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know what's happening with all of the uh, the Mountain West games that they're putting, the home Mountain West games that they're putting on the main network in primetime. I'm not going to complain, but it's a little bit strange. Yeah, and it, I, I go as far to say inexplicable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they have a deal with CBS. It feels like maybe CBS is just trying to get that out of the way as early as they can so that they don't have to deal with it anymore, which is a bummer. I wish that they wouldn't do that. I think there are going to be better Mountain West games this season than this one, but... What are you gonna do? Um, yeah, any anything in there? Anything else in there catching you before we move to late night? Nope. All right, late night. Let's close it out. Guantanamo Bay game is Stanford at USC, 10 p.m. on Fox. I don't believe that Stanford is going to win this game or be all that competitive, but they looked fun against Hawaii. I think that their offense could be fun to watch in this game. They use a lot of two tight end stuff. They run the ball pretty well. A lot of motion. A lot of gap blocking. I don't think USC can handle any of that. I don't think USC's defensive line is even watching the tape for this game. Uh, Stanford can maybe have something going here. They're not going to win, but I think that they could score some points. I think that this might be kind of fun to watch. Okay. Um, I'll take your word for it. I I, I think that uh, it's probably going to be a blowout by like four touchdowns, five touchdowns. Yeah. Um, yeah, Stanford de- Stanford's worse, defense but... is not going to get a whole lot going here, but USC gave up 28 to San Jose State. It's not impossible that Stanford could do a little more than that. Sure, sure, for sure. Um, besides that, we have Auburn at Cal, the most wanted slate. Yep. Um, I'm kind of more intrigued by this one. Okay. Uh, a lot of people talk about Auburn as an eight-win football team. Uh, we we kind of push back on pretty strongly. Yeah. I think Cal might be competent. I don't know. The Cal offense, it's still – 
you know, they played who they played North Texas week one. Yeah. Uh, it's not much of a defensive test, but they moved the ball better than they have in, I don't know, five years. Yeah. Uh, it's at least intriguing to kind of see what Cal can do uh, against a team that is, no, it's not playing football, right? Like you have Jay not playing. Um, a lot of new faces for Auburn, pretty cohesive group for Cal. Kind of intriguing to see the differential where it's at. Jaden Ott, we talked about coming into the season. He looks so damn good in that in that opener. I'm gonna pull up the stats. Um, but I watched the uh the the, the Pac twelve network uh YouTube channel specific Jaden Ott highlights, which was just whatever he did in that game. Um, let me get his actual stat line. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah, 20 carries, 188 yards, and two touchdowns. God damn, he is awesome. He he is he's worth the price of admission on his own. I don't know that they have a whole lot going on with Ben Finley at quarterback. He played relatively well against North Texas. He he was okay. Um, but I I think that this is this is odd against the Auburn defense and it's Auburn's skill players that they've pieced together trying to figure something out against a Cal defense that should be decent to pretty good maybe um i think this is fun i think that this is a fun matchup between two kind of weird teams that find themselves in similar places in their respective conferences this season yeah um hmm. yeah i agree i don't know i I think we kind of know what this game is it's it's something i will probably keep an eye on look out for i'm probably after a long saturday with a lot of great games i'm probably trying to get out of the house a little bit and go to the bar yeah uh if i'm being if i'm being real however if this game was good i would try to switch to a bar that has a tv yeah uh, so i can watch it yeah i'm probably gonna have one of these on switching between stanford usc and auburn cal on the laptop like once i get home and I'm, i'm working through editing pictures and stuff like that it's 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 that kind of slate you don't need to give your full attention to these games but you can have them on it's a fun thing to have on in the background right right um Last one here, no fly list. Oklahoma State at Arizona State, 10.30 p.m. on FS1. Both of these teams looked like dog ass last week. They both looked so <laughs> fucking bad. Um, Oklahoma State, we didn't really talk about on the on the recap because there wasn't a great reason to. It was like a one-score game in the fourth quarter against Central Arkansas. It was ugly. It was really, really, really ugly for this offense. Um, and Arizona State just sucks. Um boy i think it's two bad teams here yep two really awful teams um i don't i'm talking about the preseason oklahoma state's hype made no sense yeah uh their guys picking them to make the big 12 title it was helmet just scouting. absolute it, nonsense yeah it was helmet yeah. scouting it was assuming that they would be good because they weren't last year which is not really a good process i don't think yeah these these are two sub 500 teams that we're just waiting to see how many games they lose that's yeah. pretty much the the season yeah. so um winner yeah it'll be fun to watch that that dog shit yeah yeah i think there's a chance that the winner here goes to a bowl game and the loser doesn't i think that that's what you could be watching for here is that this might be the sixth win that one of these teams needs at the end of the season um i would guess that oklahoma state is the one that gets it because i don't think that arizona state is especially close to competent but oklahoma or but arizona state i think pretty clearly has the better quarterback in this game and so that could be it could be kind of fun it could be fun to have on again not give your full attention to, but it's something that you can watch if you choose to do that, if that's how you want to live your life. Um, that's how I want to live my life. Ryan, anything else here before we get out of here? No, sir. All right. We will talk to you guys on the normal, finally, back to normal, not having to wait until Monday, uh, post-Saturday recap show. So we'll see you guys then.